0: yeah tonight um, well thank you so much for coming and for those online who will be listening so appreciate it and tonight I want to speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and in a sense whenever I do I get a sense that we are standing on holy ground and it's such an incredible and huge subject it is so overwhelming how do you preach in 20, 25 minutes on the mysteries of God and the Spirit of God? It's a lifetime journey. And every time you read the same passage over and again and over and again, the Spirit reveals something more to you. It's like a treasure hunt, this word. We can never get tired of it. And so this is just a short little Message and my heart is for you to be like the Bereans in Acts 17. It says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonicans. And Paul calls the church of Thessalonica a model church. But this was more because what it says is they searched the scripture of what Paul was teaching to see if it was true. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And so information becomes revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Many people will read this like a historical book and a textbook or or as one of the religions of the world, but God wants this information to become personal revelation because when it becomes revelation, it's yours and it's ours. And when we live on secondhand revelation, and it's good to listen and learn from others and other teachers and preachers or pastors or whatever, but secondhand revelation revelation seems to have a shelf life. And that shelf life is simply as short as the next storm comes. Because we need to know that we know that we know that we know who we are in Christ, how much He loves us. And we need to know about the incomparably great power that is for us who who believe. The Word of God says that that power is like the working of his mighty hand which he exerted in Christ when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The Word of God says the Spirit of God lives in you. It will quicken your mortal body and it will you will run and grow, not grow weary and walk and not faint. And I think in these times, the deeper we go in God, the deeper we press into the shadow, the Psalm 91, the psalm of protection, it says he who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty will abide in the shadow of the mighty something, or something like that. But James says this about it is that God is not a shifting shadow. That shadow ever, never, ever moves. And in there, there's this canopy of protection. It's, the problem is we tend to walk out of the shadow, or drift maybe. More drifting than walking. It's not really intentional. The enemy's too subtle than that. It's like we're in a boat... And the anchor breaks off... And we go to sleep at night... And it's just going like this and this... And we feel so good... And we don't even know we're moving... Wake up in the morning... And we don't know where the heck we are... And that's what... He says that... Be careful that you do not drift away from the faith... Drifting is not an event... It's a process... And often when we go through events... We can understand... Okay, that's what happened... And that's why I did this... But often... With our walk with God and that, we're just simply going to walk about it. And God is so gracious that He always calls us home. There's always a place for us. His shadow never moves. We just need to walk into it. And, and I wanted to encourage us in our times just to go deeper and search the Scriptures for yourself. I'm going to speak in the baptism of the Holy Spirit briefly in the context of the life of Jesus. This is really a brief overview because there's so much. And as I've said, I w- would love you to search the scriptures for yourself. And the story with Jesus starts in a visitation of an, uh, of an angelic being in Luke 1, 31 to 34. This angel appears to a virgin, to a virgin named Mary, and tells her that she will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end, church. It's forever. We're in for an everlasting time with Jesus Christ for all eternity. And Mary says, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin. And the angel answers that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the, one, the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. You can read the whole story, but what an incredible story. Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the flesh, humbled himself, came to earth, and was totally reliant on the Holy Spirit while he was here. He did this as, a fu- as fully man and fully God. You see, if, De- if Jesus didn't do what he did in the power of the Holy Spirit, he could never say that we could do greater things than him. Because he says we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. An incredible story. And that's just what we as believers should be doing today. We should be humbling ourselves. Spending time with God and relying on the Holy Spirit for everything. We move on to Luke chapter 3. And please um, read these scriptures and these um, chapters, 321 to 23. We see Jesus at the age of 30 being baptized in the river Jordan. He's now 30 years old. He's waited 30 years of his life, being a faithful son To in a sense his stepfather Joseph, and serving his family, but this day comes and he goes to the River Jordan. He's baptized in the river, and as the Holy Spirit, as he comes out, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now this is the important part. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, so from conception, the Holy Spirit was in him. And you need to understand this. But Jesus waited 30 years for the power of God to come upon him through the Holy Spirit before he began his earthly ministry. It's an amazing thing. And we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. This supernatural event marked the beginning of his earthly ministry. And we see in Luke 4... Jesus now, full of the Spirit, leaves the river Jordan. So he's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and the first thing that happens, he's now full of the Spirit. Leaves the river Jordan, and is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So things have changed. In this instance, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he's been waiting for this for 30 years, and all of a sudden now, He is now full of the Spirit. That's an amazing thing. He was God incarnate. But it says clearly, as the Holy Spirit came upon him, he had the Holy Spirit in him from conception, he was full of the Spirit. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted for 40 days. And after 40 days, he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and goes to his hometown this is the journey. He says, greater things for me, as I walk this world, in this world, so should you. We to imitate Christ. And if Christ needed to be baptized in water, or felt he needed to be, and he needed to have the Holy Spirit come upon him, why not us? The Holy Spirit is often called the forgotten God. But it's the power of God, and I take it like this. I am I love uh, power tools, and I'm not very good at them with them, especially a chainsaw. But I love them. They make a nice noise, and there's a tree that's not going to hit anything that has to come down. It is so much fun to get hold of that and chop it up. And, <laughs> and, but can you imagine? A hundred years ago, I would have hated uh, chopping trees down, because it would have been with an axe. You can still get a tree down with an axe. But I promise you, with the power soul, it's a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of quicker. So we still are born again. When we are born again, and we're going to look at that. We are born of the Spirit. We have the indwelling Spirit. We never lose that. And our salvation is secure if we're truly born again in Christ. But we see Jesus understood that if he, as fully God, walked this earth and performed those miracles and did what he did, he could never, ever say that we would do greater things than him. And what are the greater things? To me, it's not maybe the greater uh, spectacular miracles. I don't know what more greater we could do, but it's as the mobilization of the priesthood of believers. Together, we can do greater things. If we really believe... What the Bible says, we should believe. We could make big inroads into our nations and into our cities, and I'm trusting God for more of that. So, it's, so yeah. So he's led by the Spirit in the power of Spirit, and then goes to his hometown. And then Luke 14:16 to 17. Go and read. Please read context. It's always important. There's a big difference between preaching and teaching. Paul calls preaching foolishness. He says that in First Corinthians, the foolishness of preaching, because we are here, preaching in a sense is in half an hour or so on where we are challenged to search the, Christian, uh, the scriptures ourselves and see if it's true, whereas often teaching, and I love teaching, I remember when I got saved in the early 80s, one thing that was, was really popular to even young guys that I was then, Bible studies. Bible studies. That's what you did. You went to church in the morning and Bible study in the evening. And I was always amazed. We had this incredible pastor that could take one verse and and get so much out of it. I'm starting to turn the page around. How the heck does he even see this? But it was such a privilege to sit under good teachers. And we have a school of the Bible online, and uh, you can listen to some of the things. But there are many good teachers out there. But this is a time for us for you to search the scriptures and come to your own conclusion, because as I said, secondhand revelation has a shelf life. So he goes, Jesus in Luke 14:16. Jesus went to Nazareth, we had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. His custom was to go to church. Hebrews. There's something really, really pertinent to today. It's not easy to gather, but it says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints, but encourage one another when you come together, all the more as you see the day appearing. And that's why it's important. And I know it's hard with with how we do things, and we can't have um, even a third of our church in the three Three services, but I encourage you whenever you can to make the effort, whether it's here or somebody else, obviously being safe as you do so. So he goes to the, the um, synagogue, and the scroll of the prophet was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. So this was intentional. And what he finds a place is what we call Isaiah chapter 60. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But he's got the scroll. We can go like this. And please, please, as Deborah said, start using a book, Bible. It's so easy to copy and paste, and so easy to, where's that scripture? I was with a young guy, and, and we we're having this thing, uh, this debate about something, uh, actually in Haiti in the beginning of the year, a young guy that would come with me, and um, we we're scriptures, and he would say, he would stop all the time, and he would put in the key word to find the scripture that he wanted, and um, I still, I have to do that sometimes, but it's so cool when you can just come, and he says, how do you know all of this stuff? I said, because I don't, I read the book, not the phone. I use the phone, <laughs> and I'm not saying the Bible is on the phone is wrong, but there's something about a book like this that gets old and taddy and stuck up with um, sticky tape and all of that. Anyway, another rabbit hole I went down there, and he comes and says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now the context is, the baptism of water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's in the desert for 40 days, he goes, the first time he goes back to the church, he actually seeks out this in a scroll, can you imagine a scroll, the Bible's going to hear, he's going like this, There's there's no numbers, there's no nothing, it's just the book of Isaiah, and he finds this passage, and he says, now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to do a number of things. To proclaim the good news to the poor. To preach the gospel. To proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the captives or the oppressed free. Free from addictions. Free from depression, oppression. Free from from fear and all of this. Jesus came to set the captives free. The enemy has us Captivated. He has these chains around our minds. And, and the crazy thing about fear, everybody knows that 90, 95% of what we fear, nev- or something like that, never comes to pass. And Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came and gave us authority in His name to cast out demons, to break the chains of oppression. And to do these same things and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Church, we live under dispensation of grace. We, we live in the year in the time of the Lord's favour. Just an amazing thing that we have. just to recap before we go forward, we've seen that from conception Jesus had the indwelling Spirit of God within him, he, in him and that he was baptized in water and when he came out of the water the Holy Spirit then came upon him and as a result he received the power of the Holy Spirit and that enabled him to be an effective witness and empowered him to be able to perform signs wonders, and miracles. That's what God has called us to be. Miracle workers in the name of Jesus. And here, church, is a parallel for us today. When we repent of our sin and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are born again. In other words, we are born again. Of the Spirit, you can read that in the Gospel of John, and as a result, the Holy Spirit resides in us. We have the indwelling Spirit that Jesus had from birth up to thirty years old, because He walked as a man, and we see this in Scripture in 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 scriptures like Ephesians one verse nineteen to 22, the Word of God says this, Consequently, now the consequently is because you are saved, because you are born again, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple, And in Him, we too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. And just like Jesus' example, as He walked the earth, in order for for us to be born again believers, as born again believers, to be full of the Holy Spirit and an effective witness of Christ, we should follow His footsteps, and be baptized, number one, in water, and number two, in the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is this important? So that we, too, can do even greater things than Jesus, according to John fourteen twelve. You see that Jesus knew that in order for us to fulfill the Great Commission, we would need the supernatural power of God working in and through us, and that church is why Jesus, after the resurrection, appears to his disciples and says this to them. These are some of his last words to the disciples. He said, I'm, in Luke 4, 49, he says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. 24, 49, I think. But stay in the city until ye have been clothed with power from on high. In other words, I don't want you to go anything, anywhere, anyway, until you receive the Holy Spirit. And then on the day he ascended into heaven in Acts 1 8, he reminds him, and these are his final words because this is, as he said, after he said these words, he ascended into heaven. And he says this that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now he's talking to the disciples who were believers. The Holy Spirit was in them and he said, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. And he says, wait, wait for the power. Don't run around now. And they wait a number of days, I think it was 10 days, till the day of Pentecost. And they were praying in an upper room, not knowing what would happen next. And while they were praying, tongues of fire came from heaven. And they were supernaturally baptized by the Holy Spirit. It says this when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind from heaven was filled the whole house and they were where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separate and all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them Yes they had received the promise of the father They were baptized in the Holy Spirit and the church was birthed in power, in supernatural power. On that day, the church was born, more than 3,000 people gave their hearts to, to Jesus. And within a short while, without technology, on camels and donkeys, within a generation, the gospel had gone to the uttermost parts of the known world at that time in the power of the Holy Spirit. And church, I want to leave it there. I want, uh, there's a lot of little things here, and I'm asking you to please study them, and I'm asking you to please, if you want to chat to me, through it. Because I don't believe the enemy is afraid of a powerless church. And he wants us to believe that we can use a handsaw and still get a tree down and do the job. But you know that most of the the times that churches were birthed through the apostles was through miracles, signs, and wonders. And this is something that I was reading, Mars Hill in Acts 17. It's a famous thing Paul's in, and he has this preach on the unknown God and he starts debating these stoic philosophers and all of that kind of stuff and they're having this great thing. Do you know at the end of that, number one, no church was was started in Athens and number two, it says a lot of them argued with him and a few got saved. Do you know what he did then? He then got on his donkey in Acts 18 and he goes off to Corinth. And he's more than likely thinking, what the heck? What happened in Athens? We all think it's amazing. Yes, that's an intellectual gospel. And we need to use our intellect, but it needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he goes, where does he go from there? He goes to Corinth. And then a few years later, he writes to them. And he says, when I came to you, I resolved to know nothing. He didn't say that I didn't know nothing. He had just come from Mars Hill. But he said that didn't work. And I resolved to, but to rely on the demonstration of the Spirit's power, not wise and persuasive words. And if we're going to see our lives and our families and the nations transformed, it's not going to be because we have done it in our own strength or in our own intellect. Yes, God wants to use our intellect, God wants us to study His Word, but the Word in, only becomes alive when it's inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I would like to ask the Holy uh, the, the the worship team to please come forward. I hope this has been helpful. It's so difficult to preach this, and my mind's going like this in such a short time because it seems there's so many loose threads out of there. But I really encourage you, if you are serious about this, and whatever conclusion you come to, I don't mind. I'm not my brother's keeper, so I'm not trying to convince you, but I'm asking you to be open to it. I've been in third world countries many, 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 many. And I've seen miracles. We were in Haiti at the beginning of this year and did a five-day... Crusade or teaching time and so on and we're working with the school there and, and so on and the church and the one day I was, I was preaching that morning and I said, you know I said to the pastor, Marcel I said, Marcel, listen I really just believe we need to pray for the sick I really believe that these people rely totally on the Holy Spirit <laughs> there's no doctors, there's no nothing no masks there's no social distancing there's no nothing it's the Holy Spirit that comes. And so I, he said, well, let's do that, and afterwards you can preach. I'll tell you what happened. We, I said, we, I, said I really feel God wants to heal pe- people. They started lining up. They, 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 they were in a, a big place, like an old barn, a tin barn, maybe the half the size of this, full of people, 40 degrees inside there, and they started lining up. They clicked down here. And then the line, then the, they had to turn the line around and do it like that so it could go around the back to the front. There were so many people. Not only that, people were running out the service to fetch their sick friends. This went on and on and on and on. I'm telling you, nearly four, five, six hours. No time to to spend time with him just to pray in the name of Jesus be healed and things like that and people were healed and people would say the next day was test me that also took another thing on the Thursday night they decided to have a prayer meeting let me tell you third world countries are hungry for God because they are desperate this prayer meeting started at 7 p.m. and went through to 8 a.m. the next morning. People were lying on the having a sleep, waking up, when somebody else started worshiping somebody, it was it was like we actually left there at 1 o'clock because the pastor's we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be too tired. And he said it's 1 o'clock. I looked at my watch, I could not believe it. It was as if time stood still. You see, when we wait upon the Lord. And it starts in us individually. You see, many streams, the words God says, makes one river. And we have one little trickle here, and there's another little trickle there. Like at the top of the mighty Fraser, there's this little snowball that melts with another snowball and another snowball. And all of a sudden it's got a trickle, and then, you, then it goes on for 2,000, 3,000 kilometers, these mighty rivers. Many streams, one river. So we say, what can we bring? We bring our little drop. We bring that little overflow. And sometimes we are dry and others are full and otherwise. And that, imagine when we can start coming into the presence of God in our homes, in our home groups, or anywhere, and you just say, what happened here? You see, it's only the Spirit of God, in and through working His church, that is going to save a nation. Not a change of any government. You might like your government or well, next neighbor's government or not. I don't really care. I'm not that I'm not concerned sometimes, but I don't care because you know what? God says the healing of the nation is in the hands of my people. 2 Chronicles 7 14 says this if my people who are called by my name will do four things. Humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face and not my hand. Often I am, to God, I need this, I need this, this one, my children, my, the church, all of this, and I can run out there. And God says, I just want to have some FaceTime. Not on a computer, but seek my face and turn from their wicked ways talking about us then I will hear from heaven and I will hear the land and I've been doing a study on the, the scriptures on parliament in, in Canada, I want to know the roots of the spiritual, they are incredible, this, this country in the United States of America and many of these were born on, on Christian values And we can lose our way, but God can bring us back. And on the peace tower and all of those, and Canada was called the dominion of Canada and often is still now. And that is Psalm 76, I think. It says where he he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And that is in the peace tower. The dominion of God over Canada. That's what it means. And if we can just... Once again, say, God, we want to see revival. We want to see our leaders. You know, when, I, I'm off of the track now, and sorry, I bit it a bit now, but this is, so you know that Jesus or Paul or the apostles never, ever criticized the leaders, outside of the leaders in the church maybe. Jesus never got up and spoke to Herod and said this and that. He kept quiet. Paul is in jail in Rome and he writes to Timothy and he says, pray for those that are in authority that it might go well with your soul. Do you know who was in authority over over, um, Paul at that time? Nero. Do you know Nero chopped his head off about eight years later? You see, we're fighting the wrong battles. I'm not saying that's not right. And I'm not saying we, we should, shouldn't have an opinion on all of that. But I am exhausted as a pastor because of there's so much stuff about this one, this one and 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 this one. I tell you, I stopped years ago. I have no opinion. I, I have some thoughts. But nobody will know. Because at the end of the day, God sent Joseph to transform Pharaoh's life, a heathen god. God sent Daniel to transform Nebuchadnezzar's Nicar- life, and he did it by serving him. And if we get back to the essence of the gospel and what it's all about, and yes, there are terrible things going on and there are good leaders and bad leaders in the church, out the church, in the families and in government. And if we're going to see revival, what we can do is we can isolate 50% of the people we speak to by saying who we voted for. I won't hear the gospel. Hey man, who'd you? I, I, I voted, but it's not who I said, well, I think that's personal. And that's all. Of it. That's, why? Not because I don't have an opinion. But I've just seen that over and over. In this church, I've seen people who have friends not speak to each other, swap home groups. come and worship together now I've done that I've got big planks in my eyes and the only thing reason I know that this happens is because I was one of the scallywags that did it myself over and over until I realized just by saying that I don't want to tell the guy listen come to church Jesus loves you and he said it we've had this big argument It's not worth it. Pray for them. Pray for Justin Trudeau. Pray for our premier in BC. He's been, pray for him so it will go well for us. Pray that God puts Daniels and Josephs around them that can can advise them and give them good advice. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much we moan, things ain't gonna change. We can, miserable for eight years, we can say, God, bless him. God, bring counsel, Lord. Holy Spirit, anoint him. I pray that he receives you as his Lord and Savior, Lord. You love him as much as you love me. Lord, Lord, I pray for him because I want it to go well with me. We can change the the world with that one scripture. And when we get that right maybe when I get that right maybe I I have the qualification there to speak about it Let's start in here let's dig a well let's let rivers of living water begin to let people the thirsty come and drink and let's try not try and change people from the inside out politically or religiously or whatever from from the outside in but from the inside out
1: just as Mike's we're hot just as Mike's sharing I'm just going to ask if you stand we're going to worship you know if we want to see this nation changed if we want to see God move in power we're going to need the power tool we're going to need the Holy Spirit just reminded that the Holy Spirit comes by invitation. He's a gentleman. And for you and I, when we look at Scripture, we hear what Mike's sharing, and when you read in Acts 2, it says that the Holy Spirit came in power, and then Peter says, you know, this is what, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of. And he says, prophet Joel spoke of God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And I was thinking about this for you and I. The Holy Spirit wants to come and pour out for us. And if we're a vessel, we can put a lid on that vessel. You can put a lid on it, and the Holy Spirit can pour out, and you can receive none of it. And I just want to say that there is an invitation for us where we take the lid off. And I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit wants to pour out. He wants to fill you to overflowing. Take the lid off. You might feel like your lid is rusted shut, but take it off. I'm telling you the oil will loosen that lid. Take it off. Don't just open it a crack. If you want all of what the Holy Spirit has for you, take the lid off. And we're just going to respond. And as we worship, I want to encourage you right where you are, right where you are now, let the Holy Spirit come and fill you to overflowing. All he needs is your permission, so invite him in. Let's worship the Lord together.